You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story. Welcome to the Forefront Church Podcast. More to the story where we talk about last week's sermon. And if you have questions you'd like to have answers, send them to us here at life at forefrontchurch.tv or if you're at Forefront on Sundays, you can drop the questions in the boxes in the back of the worship center. And we are planning to answer the questions here in the next couple of weeks. Um, to just do a dedicated Q&A uh, episode here for you guys. So get the questions in. We'd love to hear from you. And today with us, we have Pastor Darren Enns. How you doing today? Hey, doing well. Good. Pastor Drew Tarwater. Hey, guys. Good to be with you. I don't see you too sunburned from going to, to cheering for the wrong team at the Rockies game. Not too bad at all. <laughs> so, and then I'm Rob Blasey here with you, trying to drive the ship here a little bit. We're recapping a little bit. We went over the plagues and other things, and we're in Exodus. Drew, uh, give us a recap. Where are we at here on Sunday mornings? Yeah, if you tuned into the podcast last week, we talked through the 10 plagues, and there's just so much to cover. We really needed two weeks to do it. So we set kind of a little bit of a teaser up last week and walked through the individual plagues. And then this week, um, we talked through them on, on Sunday, and we really only talked through about four of the 10 in depth. And uh, just hopefully you guys can go back in and read those further. But what we see is that um, God calls Moses to go tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And Moses and Pharaoh says, no. And he says, who is the Lord that I should listen to him? And, And so what we see is systematically, God begins dismantling these Hebrew pagan, or I'm sorry, these Egyptian pagan gods, by showing his power. So, you know, just a little recap, you know, he turns the Nile to blood and he shows that God is more powerful than the uh, goddess happy or the God happy, who's the God of the Nile in Egypt and on and on and on. We see in uh, plague nine that God brings darkness over the land, which is judgment on the sun God, Ra, who is the most, really the most celebrated worshiped God in Egypt outside of Pharaoh and, and that, in that time and place. And so God is systematically saying, look, these these gods that you're putting your hope in, they aren't real. I am the one true God. And God is also doing it to show Israel that when I bring you out of this place, I want you to know that I have the power to rescue you and save you. So put your trust in me and don't fall back and try to worship these Egyptian gods that you grew up hearing about. Because again, they're just fake and false idols. So it, it was a fun sermon to go through all that. There's so We could spend a whole month on these plagues. Uh, but I think just that idea that God is judging the Egyptian gods and showing Pharaoh, the Egyptians, and the Israelites that he is the one true God and has the power over all creation. Absolutely. And the, Darren, we were talking last week a little bit about the names for the plagues or like the actual word plague and what it means. And I thought that was pretty interesting. You, you came up with some more information on it. So recap us and remind us of that. The yeah. word plague, what do we think of it is versus what the Bible says what it is. Yeah, when we say plague, we generally mean a disease like the bubonic plague or even even something like, like COVID we might uh, describe as a plague. But in uh, the Bible, when we say plague, like a bunch of hail falling is not a plague. That's just a storm. So yep. when we say plague, 
um, it's I don't know exactly where it started, but um, that that's just kind of the word that Christian tradition has begun to use. So there are actually five words in the Hebrew that are all translated into the English word plague. And the two that I talked about last week were, uh, the most common one is, is negef, which means to strike or hit. Um, this one happens in uh, chapter 12, verse 13, and, and chapter 8, verse 2. Another common one is naga, which means to, to touch, and it can mean to touch like intensely, like, act, like slap, you know, uh, that mm. is used in chapter 11, verse 1. Um, and then the word for plague in uh, plague number five, which is actually the only disease, the disease that the cattle get, um, that's the word dever, which um, traditionally means uh, word, thing, or matter. So like the dever of the Lord would be the, the word of God. And mm. so this is like, uh, you know, at its most basic translation, a thing that comes upon the um, the cattle, but it is used elsewhere in the Bible, and it is always a disease. It is always something drastic that happens that causes death. Uh, and then there's two others. Another one is mofet, which means wonders, signs and wonders. For example, in uh, chapter 7, verse 3, um, he says, uh, Moses writes, uh, Yahweh's talking, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Uh, we're going to get to that here in a second. Uh, I will harden Pharaoh's heart that I may multiply my signs and wonders. That is the word mofet, the wonders in there. Uh, and another one is uh, magifa, which is, it comes from negef. It's like a cognate noun. You know how we, we have a verb called run. It's like I can mm-hmm. run, but you can also be a runner. And a runner is, is also a noun that's taken from a verb. Uh, ma, magifa is, is that. So it's like the strikings or the strikes against Egypt. I don't know if and I can say it. I feel like my mom would wash my mouth out with soap. <laughs> I think she might. Yeah. <laughs> so all, yeah, all of those words are are translated as plague, even though there's five different words that all have different connotations in the Hebrew. And what would be the like? It seems like the one that like the showing from God or something is probably from my elementary background. It seems like the would be the best translated. Is that what the one they kind of were going with, or what's the? You is know, it very I, per plague or? Yeah, I, I it, it does vary which word is used, um, and I haven't looked into the the types of things. But I think the most common one is negef when it talks about like the strikes. But then also there's the signs and wonders, which is the mofate, and that's that's really common. God shows His power through signs and wonders. He uses that one a lot. No, interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. a really interesting pattern if you if you think about how it works because hmm. plagues one through three everybody faces right. It's the the Nile is turned to blood, so no, nobody has fresh drinking water. The frogs come all all over the land. Gnats they come out all over. You know, dust turns to gnats, and it hits everybody. And then you get to the fourth through the tenth plague, and Israel is shielded from those. Those only come to. Um, the Egyptians, and it comes as a direct um, assault on the Egyptian gods, but also it is suffering for the Egyptian people. You know, their man, their, their hail destroys their crops. The locust destroys whatever was left that came the later season. Uh, you know, it's just you know, darkness was all over Egypt, but it wasn't over Goshen where the Israelites were. And so you you see that yeah, they're 
while some of them, they're miracles and wonders, but there are mm-hmm. some things that are like directly impacting the Egyptian people. So I think the word plague, while Darren, great, I, I think Darren's right, you know, we're, we're, we kind of categorize it all as plagues or not all plagues. But I think when you look at what happened to the people in, in Egypt, I mean, it was, it was negative. All of it was negative. So although it's probably not the, the best term, I think it, it helps kind of create a, an understanding of what was going on in that, in that time. It makes it for easier storytelling for us for thousands of years later. <laughs> right. So the other, so then uh, the other thought with, uh, is we were talking about Exodus 7, 1 earlier, where just sort of like the, the roles of Moses and Aaron before Pharaoh and God, where in, Mo, in, in 7, 1, it says, then the Lord said to Moses, see, I've made you like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. So what what are we what's what are the roles there? It's like in the kind of the, the maybe the misconceptions we kind of think of of between Aaron, Moses, God, and Pharaoh, and like the roles being done. Yeah, contrary to what Drew mentioned in the sermon once, I'm under 36 and I have seen Charlton Heston act as, ex, <laughs> act, act as Moses. Um, and even in that, I I haven't seen it in quite a while actually, but I don't remember Aaron. I just remember Moses always being the guy who talks to Pharaoh. Am I wrong on that? Like that's how they portrayed it. I think Aaron is kind of like his sidekick. Yeah, he, right. he's like he's there, but yeah, it's Moses. He's like, you know, Charlton the Robin Heston to was the show. Batman. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So in that movie, Hollywood makes Moses the main character because it'd be weird if Moses would be in the background and Aaron would be out there. That's not how Hollywood does it, but that's not uh, what. But yeah, the Bible is different, and so it says here that God is saying to Moses that you're going to be like me to Pharaoh and then Aaron is going to be like you to Pharaoh. So there, there's this interesting pitting of characters between Moses and Pharaoh. They are each a God type of character and Yahweh allows Moses to represent him. And then Aaron is Moses's prophet. Whereas Pharaoh is the God King and he is representing himself and God. Um, and then he's having to listen to this third hand prophet from from Yahweh. And uh, if we remember the the Charlton Heston movie, Aaron doesn't have much to do. But if you read through the plagues, you see constantly that Moses and Aaron did this, or God says to Moses, say to Aaron, and then go and do this. So Aaron is definitely involved. He's raising his staff. Aaron is stretching out his staff over the land and striking the dust and doing all these things. Um, and But we, we don't read those actions. We just record mostly the words of God and then what happened as Moses and Aaron performed these tasks. So Aaron is like, Aaron is almost an image of Moses, who then okay. is an image of Yahweh. Uh, and so like Moses, you can imagine the shadowy character back in the corner. He's the one with the real power, and Aaron is the one out in front acting. And that's kind of how we're supposed to be. God is the one with the real power, and we are supposed to be out here acting as his representatives and, and doing his work here in the world. So it'd be more related to uh, where you have Luke and then Yoda and the Force more than <laughs> is that? Uh, I, I, yeah, we could make a metaphor there. That might get complicated <laughs> and kind of hairy because the Force is like the Force is like like na- the nature God, right? You know, God is everywhere. God is everything. Yeah. But yeah. right, yeah. You know, so, it is interesting, Rob. If you think about when we talked about 
the, the time that God calls Moses and says, Moses, I'm sending you back into Egypt. And Moses is like, why are you going to send me? And he's like, I'm going to send Aaron with you. Um, so Aaron does all the talking at first, but if you watch, there's a transition that happens and Moses begins to get bolder and begin to talk more and begin to talk more and, and it's less Aaron, more Moses. And so you see Moses' confidence grow as he sees God's power. So as God is bringing these plagues, it's less that Moses is the one standing in the background and it's more that he's doing more of the talking. I think there's a parallel for us too in life. It's as we begin to see God move and God's power revealed, it gives us more confidence to, to step and follow him in faith. Yeah. And you see God working in Moses and you kind of see like, we were kind of talking earlier, like the opposite happening in Pharaoh where he does harden his heart, you know, throughout the process. So mm. help, like, help us with that as the process goes through with the, you know, even before the plagues to the, you know, the plagues happening, or if I'm using the wrong word, Darren, on the plagues, I can't keep up with those. It's fine. You just say plague. It's okay. We all know okay. what we mean. Okay, perfect. And so, like, the transition there of, like, what God was doing in Pharaoh's heart and in Moses' life, it's kind of like almost opposite parallels. This is uh, this is kind of a hard topic for a lot of people, and as Christians, it's tough to get our mind around that like God would harden someone's heart. And so this has been one of those things that I think have caused people to, to doubt and have shaken people's faith over, over the centuries. And I think it's good for us to talk about what does it mean that God hardened Pharaoh's heart? And we, you do see this pattern. So notice you see um, the, the first five plagues. You see there's um, like now to blood. Pharaoh's heart became hard uh, when he saw mm-hmm. the magicians be able to do something similar frogs. He hardened his own heart. And then you kind of have a couple ambiguous, uh, ambiguous ones, like the gnats, his heart was hard. The flies, he hardened his own heart. When the livestock were, had diseases and pestilence, his heart was hard. But I think the, uh, the, you know, Moses trying to help us see when, when he wrote this down was like, God continued to give Pharaoh these chances. And every time Pharaoh didn't believe his heart got harder, he, he rejected God more. And every time he rejected God, his heart got harder. And then we get to the sixth plague and six on the sixth plague, the boils, God hardens Pharaoh's heart. And so th- there's that. That's the first time we, we God didn't hard, harden Pharaoh's heart to all 10. He gave Pharaoh five chances to, to change his mind, to, to, you know, to repent, to turn around, but he didn't. And so at this point, God says, okay, Pharaoh, you've become so hardened now that, that I'm going to demonstrate my power through you. So number six, God hardens his heart. Number seven, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Number eight, God hardened his heart. Number nine, darkness, God hardened his heart. And with the plague or with the 10th plague, um, the, the death of the firstborn, God hardened his heart. So for the last five, we see God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And so you see this pattern begin to take place. And I think it, it's really interesting, actually, if you kind of look at some of the Hebrew behind it, because I think it reveals some of what God was doing. Mm-hmm. No, it's interesting to think that, like, does God still harden hearts today then? Right. Because right. it, it happens throughout the Bible. They're like, it talks, you know, with, you know, there's other stories of it. The mo- you know, Pharaoh's the most popular topic when people mm-hmm. bring it up. But what's, so does this, you know, it's kind of the, you know, speaking in tongues thing or, you know, does it still happen today? Yeah, you see God hardened Pharaoh's heart. There's a, a story in, um, I believe it's the book of Joshua, where God hardens one of the, I think it's the Ammonite king. Uh, we see that God hardens Saul's heart with towards David, towards King David. 
And, and every time you see it, what, what you see is that God takes someone who has already rejected him, like Pharaoh, right? Pharaoh said no to God five times. And God says, okay, I gave you an opportunity. And now I'm going to, to demonstrate my power through you. I think the same with Saul, right? Like Saul was so upset about David coming in that, um, you know, he couldn't see what God was doing. And so God hardened David, Saul's heart to create this awkward tension between him and David. And it's, it's really kind of hard to, to take in a vacuum and understand. But I think the bigger, um, you know, the, the, the bigger situation behind that is that God wants us to see that even the most like heinous and absurd forms of human evil are no match to him. Like God can even steer evil um, through his plan to bless the world. And so God does that with Pharaoh. He gives Pharaoh these five chances. And, um, and now he is going to basically say, okay, well, I gave you the chance. Now I'm, I'm going to use your hardened heart and I'm going to harden it even further to steer you towards bringing glory to my name and showing you my power that I'm ultimately the one in control. Now, does it happen in the uh, inverse ways too where God then softens people's heart as well? I, I think it's much, I think we can confidently say that that is by far the most common thing that God mm-hmm. does hardening of uh, people's hearts today it's really hard for us to tell how that's happening but we we know we can see um when when someone you know comes to church and, and they're looking for 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 someone or they they've been invited and they think yeah i'm ready to come to church i'm ready to hear about god uh that's that is a, uh we we see god actively softening people's hearts and, and drawing people to him that happens all the time. Um, it, it's a lot harder to see and, and say that God is hardening someone else's heart. Like, is, is God hardening a heart of, of someone who is in charge of a country and, and they go to war? Is that, it, it, it's really hard for us to say that. Um, we, we get these stories in the Bible that are from the covenant people of Israel. Uh, and it's interesting that there are two words in the Hebrew that are used for the hardening of hearts. One of them is kavod, which uh, tends to mean like weight, um, or, or heaviness, and we translate it as glory a lot. Um, mm. And then the other one is hazak, which means to be strong or to strengthen. And if you read through our English, whenever you see that Pharaoh's heart is being hardened passively, like in the first plague, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. That's not an active. It's, it's almost like nothing is causing that to happen, except the heart is just receiving that hardening. Um that is, is uh, and then there's the active one where God hardens someone's heart, like he actively does it, or Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Um, in general, when it's passive, the word kavod is used, and when it's active, the word hazak is used. It's interesting the differences between those two. But what we can see here in this story and all the other stories that God um, kavod someone's heart to bring kavod to himself. So because God is actively causing this, once Pharaoh has already made the decision in his own heart that he will not let his people go, even after he's seen God's glory, he's seen God's kavod, so his heart gets more kavod, and that brings kavod back upon God. So all of these acts that God is doing, he's, he is accelerating the inevitable, and that will uh, cause, in the proper time, God bringing glory to himself. So God actively hardening his heart, Pharaoh's heart, will then result in glory being brought to him in the correct time. So just like the flood, God actively caused 
the the he removed his barriers which caused the, the flooding of the world that brought glory to himself in the right time so that he could save a remnant of humanity which would then preserve life like the world was going to destro- be destroyed by the humans if, if nothing happened so it's all about the timing um and then drew i think you wanted to talk about romans 9 there's this discourse that paul goes on about bringing glory to god and hardening of hearts here there is, yeah. In Romans 9, Paul is talking about how Israel has, um, he, he's, he's basically saying that, that, that Israel now rejected Jesus as the Messiah. And he's writing to the Romans and he's saying the Jews rejected Jesus as the Messiah just like Pharaoh rejected God. And, and so he's making this parallel. And, I, and notice what he says in Romans 9, verses 17 and 18. He says, For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. And so that is a hard scripture to read. Because it's like, well, what brings the qualifications of why Pharaoh or why, why God would harden Pharaoh's heart and or or show mercy to Pharaoh? Or the same with people, you know, you ask that question, Rob, does like, does God harden hearts today? Okay, so why does God show mercy to some and why does God harden some? And so that, that's kind of a, a big one to wrap our minds around. But I think what, what one of the main things that we're trying, you know, God wants us to see here is that, um, you know, God is going to move through human history. God is going to direct things to go the path that he has deemed as the right path, the right plan for history. And what he'll do is he'll use people whose hearts have already been hardened towards him, as we talked about a little earlier, to do that and and, and to shape history and to push it to the right direction. Think of Jesus, okay? Think mm-hmm. of in the Gospels. How many times did Jesus heal somebody and he goes, hey, don't go tell anybody? Or he says, don't let them see this miracle because they will believe or their heart, you know, their, their eyes will see and their ears will hear. And you read that and you go, Jesus, why don't you want people to believe in you? And yes, he did. But Jesus knew he needed to get to the cross. He needed to go to the cross and give his life and rise from the grave that defeated death and sin. And so we could, so we, we read through the lines there and see that God was hardening hearts at times to get Jesus to the cross, and um, and and to, to so Jesus could re- could redeem us and forgive us from our, for all of our sin and and bring us into new life, and because of that, I mean God's not going to harden a believer's heart, but God can definitely use someone whose heart is already hardened to God. And so you asked that question, Rob: Does God harden and soften? I think Darren's right. Mm-hmm. God is at work softening hearts and the Holy Spirit's at work wooing and drawing people towards him. But to people who um, sin has captivated their hearts, who are non-believers and they've hardened their hearts to God and their hearts keep getting harder. God, I think sometimes does harden hearts to demonstrate consequences of sin to hopefully wake people up too. I think he does that with Pharaoh here in the sixth plague. So I want you to notice this. I, I don't mm-hmm. want to spend a whole lot of time on the sixth plague. I want you to notice this. On the sixth plague, remember, they had just the livestock had just been de- devastated. And so God, on the sixth plague, we see, tells Moses to go and take handfuls of soot, so handfuls of ash from the kiln, and let Moses throw it in the air in the sight of Pharaoh. And it shall become fine dust over the land of Egypt and become boils breaking out in sores on man and beast throughout all the land. What's interesting is the Egyptian, the Egyptians, they, they, they worshiped these, these kind of gods of healing, right? These pagan yeah. gods of healing. They believed that you could experience healing by worshiping these, these pagan gods. 
So they would sacrifice humans, throw them in the, in the fire, and then throw their ashes in the air, thinking that when their ashes landed on you, you would be healed. But instead, God uses that very terrible, sick practice to bring judgment on Pharaoh and the people of Egypt for doing that. So Moses goes in like LeBron James, right? Chalk those air, throws the dust in the air, and it becomes boils in everybody's skin. And so God is saying he hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he could do that to bring judgment because of their sin. And I think God sometimes hardens the heart of non-believers to help them see the consequences of the sin in their life. And so I think not only does God harden hearts to show he's in control, God also hardened hearts to judge sin and show us how serious he takes sin as well. Yeah, I was reading in Romans this morning, and I, I came across something that all of a sudden just jumped out at me because of what we're talking about here and um, and what, you know, I knew we were going to talk about this hardening. But um, in, in Romans 11, it's a little bit after the, the thing that, that we talked about, Pharaoh's hardening of hearts. Uh, Romans 9 through 11 is this whole long discourse about the relationship between Gentiles and Jews and and what is uh, like what is Christianity to both of them like Gentiles do you have to practice Jewish customs in order to to be saved and, and worship is worship of Jesus and belief in Jesus enough and he says um, he's talking about the, the grafting thing like there have been some branches of Israel that have been broken off because of their disbelief and the Gentiles have been grafted in and he says in verse 11:25 for i do not want you yeah for i do not want you brethren to be uninformed of this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to israel until the fullness of the gentiles has come in hmm. there are so many questions that i have <laughs> about this like a, a hardening has happened to israel well so who caused that uh did, did Israel do that themselves? Did God do this? Is that going to, all of a sudden, is God going to soften all of Israel's hearts and bring them into the fold towards the end of time as Jesus comes back? Like, what in the world is going to happen here? Uh, th- th- there's been a partial hardening of Israel, and we see so many Jewish people who have had the Messiah come to them, but they've denied him, that they don't believe that Jesus is the one. They're looking for other things to happen, but no, Jesus was it. Uh, and maybe, maybe in the end, some of the, a lot of uh, Jewish people will finally realize it. That's crazy to think about that. It is. Yeah, there's this mystery between mercy and judgment, and there's this mystery of, of hardening. But you know that the gospel was to go forth. Jesus said, take the gospel to all nations, right? Go make disciples of all nations. And so the, you know, could it be that God had hardened Israel's heart at that moment so the gospel would not be received there in Jerusalem and that they would have to scatter and that the gospel would be taken all over the globe? And so I think God's purpose is, you know, it gets back to what he says later, Darren, in Romans 11 about his ways are higher than our ways, right? Like he's unsearchable, unfathomable. And so like we have to trust that when he does harden and when he does soften, he's got good reason behind it and he knows exactly what he's doing, which is going to lead us to exactly where he wants us to go. But I think, Rob, you know, if we could kind of think about this idea of like, what if, you know, I'm imagining there's somebody who's listening to this and yeah. um, they're asking the question, well, has my heart been hardened or have I hardened my own heart, right? We see Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Yeah. So maybe there's someone who um, struggles with, with their faith or, or there's some doubt and they've had some loss in their life or they lost a loved one and they, maybe they, they've really struggled with that. And we see that they have begun to, to harden their heart. I think... If someone's asking that question, it's a good thing. I think for someone who's not a believer, a 
hardness of heart leads them to like feeling more confident in their sin, which is a really bad sign that hopefully that the Lord can use to wake them up. But I think if it's a believer who is experiencing some hardness of heart, it makes them feel weak and needy. And then it draws us closer to God. So, I, you know, if somebody's listening to this today and they're wondering, like, I've walked through a really hard season, maybe since the pandemic, or I've lost a loved one and, or I lost a job, and my heart's kind of gotten hard to God. Use that as an indicator of our weakness to draw you closer to God and to see that he wants to, to redeem all situations and draw you closer to him to give you the strength you need because it's in our weakness that we see God's strength. So I think it's sometimes it's a good question to ask. You know, Paul says, examine your faith. I think it's a good question to ask, where have I been hardening my heart to, towards God? Because Hebrews 3, verses 7 through 19 says, just be careful to not harden your heart towards the things of God because God is the one at work in your life. No, that's a lot to think about too. It's like, because even like how we, you know, segment part of our lives, like, you know, I'm a good Christian driving to church, but boy, once I get into that parking lot after church, <laughs> don't cut me off. Um, and, and, you know, where are we, where's our heart hardening lives and like, whether it's like, you know, work, school, you know, what we, you know, what we do to find entertainment and those things like where, what's, what's hardening our hearts and what's softening them. Yeah. So no, a lot to think, a lot to think about here. As we wrap this up, any, uh, parting uh, words here, Darren, he's shaking his head. No, if you can't hear him. Yeah, see, the difference see between you and me, Darren, is when I shake my head, no, you can actually hear the marbles clinking. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, any parting thoughts? Yeah, we're going to see this play out, too, in the 10th plague. So in the death of the firstborn, which leads to the Passover, we're going to see harden, Pharaoh's heart hardened. And then we're going to see Pharaoh, his heart hardened again as the um, Egyptians chase the, the Israelites towards the Red Sea. And I think there is just this idea that we're going to see play out again that Darren mentioned, that um, God's going to reveal his glory, and he's going to show his glory to his people of Israel. He's also going to reveal it to the people of, of Egypt. But the glory is received differently because Israel is going to see God's glory and go, wow, God loves us, God rescues us. The Egyptians are going to see God's glory, and it's going to turn out to be a really bad situation for them because they put their hope in the wrong place. So I think just a reminder to us that, you know, are we, are, are, you know, are we, Pharaoh wanted his own glory and it led to his downfall. Are we wanting our own glory or are we wanting God's own glory? So just a little teaser for, for this Sunday. No, absolutely. Truly appreciate it. So thank, if you're listening, thank you for listening. If you have questions, we're preparing our Q&A episode coming up in the next few weeks. So send them into life at forefrontchurch.tv or just let one of us know if you run into us what the question may be. We'll be glad to answer it. So once again, thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next week. You have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.